Well, thanks for uh, being a part of this online worship service in our last message in the Approachable series as we've looked at questions that Jesus asked or questions that were asked of Jesus. And we're going to end this with one of the most important questions that Jesus ever asked. And I think it's one that demands an answer. In fact, he calls for an answer. He calls for a commitment. Uh, we're looking at Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, and the message is entitled, It's Time to Decide. Uh, one of the great theologians and scholars of the 20th century was Dr. Carl F.H. Henry. And he did an interview one day where he was asked, what do you look forward to God doing with you for the rest of your life? This is as he was older, <clears throat> in his 50s, and what, what do you look forward to God doing with you in the rest of your life? And this is what Carl Henry said. I just want to be obedient. I don't think God asks success of any of us. He gives it when it pleases him. And the person who has been obedient and whose whole life is a failure as humans look at it is as successful as the most successful saint in the history of the church. What Henry was saying was very clear. God doesn't measure success the way the world measures success. God measures success by obedience and by faithfulness. This, this message is about making a decision about Jesus Christ being Lord of our lives, making him Lord of our lives. Vance Havner used to talk about the fact that everywhere he went, he had a message on the Lordship of Christ, and everywhere he went, he would always want to preach some newer messages, but every pastor at some point asked him to preach his message on the Lordship of Christ. Because really, until we settle lordship, stewardship, no other area of our life is settled until lordship is settled. Uh, we, we lack the courage to make the commitments that we need to make. We're scared to be all in. We are frightened to have all on the altar. And in the times in which we live when uh, health issues are a concern and economic issues are a concern and political issues are a concern, we can get so overwhelmed with fear that we lock up and we don't operate by faith. But the reality is whether we live in a third world country, whether we live in a country under persecution, or whether we're living in a time of pandemic, lordship crosses all those lines. It's no matter where I am, no matter what I'm going through, is Jesus Lord of my life? Think about it. If you don't know where you're going, any road will do. But if you're under the lordship of Christ, then the road you're on should be a road that is straight and narrow, not the broad road that leads to destruction, as Jesus talks about. If you don't know where you're going, any wind is a favorable wind. But if you want to get safely to shore, you need direction, and you need to set your sails to the wind of God's Spirit and let Him move you along. Jesus is calling us to yes and no, not maybe. Do you, do you remember when, uh, when in the book of Acts, 
The Lord said to Simon Peter, take and eat. And it was about unclean food. And in the King James, it says, not so, Lord. In the New American Standard, it says, by no means. The reality is you can't say Lord and say not so at the same time. If he tells you to do something and you say no, then he's not Lord. And one of the things that we need to understand about lordship is that the word Savior is used about 34 times in the New Testament, but Lord is used over 400 times. And when you see it in Scripture, it's always Lord and Savior. It's not Savior and Lord. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. So what God says is not up for a vote or even a discussion. When God says something, when God speaks in his word, when he says that we are to witness, when he says that we are to love, that we are to forgive, that we are to go the second mile, that that we are to serve, whatever God commands us to do is not up for discussion, nor is it up for a delayed response. I don't know, Lord. I'll tell you what. I'll get back to you when I feel like it. Uh, Let me think about it a while. No, when God speaks, he expects a decision. And the decision he expects is a decision of obedience. So let's look at the text here. It is a familiar story. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them I will show you whom he is like. In other words, when I obey God, this is what I'm like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred and the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Then he gives us an example of the person who hears his word and doesn't act on it. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. There's a back road uh, that goes behind Pigeon Forge and gets you back over to Highway 321 on the other side of Gatlinburg and uh, Terry and I have taken that road a lot and years ago we were driving down that road and there were two log cabins on that road uh, beautiful little small log cabins uh, they both had red tin roofs on them but one day we drove by and one of the log cabins was literally fallen over it had fallen over and the front of the house was on the ground and you could just see the roof and the side of the house. Somebody didn't build that house well. Somebody didn't build a good foundation. One stood and remained standing. The other one stayed on its side for years. And you would go by and think, boy, I hope I wasn't in that house when it fell over. This is the picture that Jesus is showing, that if you don't dig deep and have a strong foundation, then any wind or any wave that is contrary, can knock you over and knock you off balance. 
And so the first thing we need to look at is the challenge to decide. Far too many people just can't give a straight answer. When you ask them, hey, will you commit to do this? Their yes sounds like a maybe. Or they tell you yes so that they can get you off the phone and you don't ask them again and you don't bother them again. Hey, are you, you know, when church is back to normal, are you coming back? Oh, yeah, but they've already decided they're not coming back. But the yes has the tone of a maybe, not the tone of a definitely. You see, it's hard to get people to think through the consequences of their decisions. We decide and never think the long picture. You know, discipleship is obedience in a long direction. It's not just a moment decision. It's a life decision. It's hard to get people to make a decision. I mean, you know, they, they go to a store and they can't decide which milk they want. They go to, to a business and they can't decide which product they want. And they stand there and ponder for minutes rather than just making a decision and moving on. Look at the question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? The Lord is expecting to be the Lord, the master, the boss, the owner. And when the Lord asks us to do something, our response is, yes, Lord. Our response is, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. He deserves our unconditional obedience. Not obedience just when it's easy and comfortable, but obedience at all levels at all times. Tom Carter says, if we are disobedient in our Christian practice, we are dishonest in our Christian profession. Now, I don't think Jesus here is talking to people who haven't decided or he wouldn't have posed the question this way. Why do you call me Lord and do not the things I say? I don't think he's talking to the undecided that don't really know whether he's the Messiah or not. Nor do I think he is talking to the disciples that are following him. I think he's talking to the people on the fringes. I believe he's talking to the people around the edges that are listening to these conversations. They're the, they're the decidedly undecided uh, this is a parable that he tells. And so he's trying to get them to make a decision. What Jesus is doing is he's calling for those who are on the fence who won't make up their mind to get off the fence and make up their mind. It's kind of a paint or get off the ladder. It's like Elijah on Mount Carmel when he called together the false prophets and he called the together the people of Israel, and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, and if Baal is God, then follow him. You see, one of the reasons why the church is not making the impact that it needs to make, one of the reasons why we aren't baptizing people like we need to, one of the reasons we don't share the gospel like we need to is because we've never settled in our hearts that Jesus is the Lord and we take orders from a loving Lord who knows what's best for us. We want to debate. We want to argue. We want to be like politicians. We want to filibuster and never come to a decision. You see, you can make Jesus a crutch. You can make Jesus a fire escape, but that's not what he's asking for. 
He's asking for unconditional surrender. Not some areas of our life, but every area of our life. Our, our relationships, our, our finances, our occupation, everything about our life at the cross under his lordship. He wants us all in, sold out, dead to self. He's looking for people who will obey him. You remember when the man came to Christ and asked him what the greatest commandment was? Jesus made it very clear. You could sum up all the law into two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know what that is? That's lordship. If I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself, then I'm obeying the commandments, and that's lordship. The danger of the church, the evangelical church, our church, any church, is that there are good people who love church, and they love the idea of God, and they love to be around things that God is doing but they are never all in themselves. They never make Jesus Lord themselves. They abstain from certain habits. They do some good things. They serve occasionally. They give occasionally. But the, at the end of the day, the kingdom of God is not first in their thinking. When they decide where they're going to live, how they're going to live, the level at which they're going to live, when they decide their occupation, how they're going to raise their family. The kingdom of God is not preeminent. They like to be around God's people. There are a lot of people that just like to be around the stuff that God does, but they don't want to do it themselves. There are a lot of people that, you know, like what we do at Sherwood. They, they like our music. Uh, they like our children's ministry. They like our youth ministry. They just don't want to get engaged in it themselves. They want to sit at arm's length. And can I tell you, Jesus can't be Lord and you social distance from him. You can't hold Jesus at arm's length and make him Lord. You can't straddle the fence. You can't have one foot in the world and the other in the church because quite honestly, the most miserable people I've ever met in my life are not lost people, they're church people that can't decide if they're going to go all in for Jesus or not. In Luke 6, Jesus has been setting up where we are in this chapter. He's been teaching on how to respond to life situations. He's telling them how to respond to their enemies in chapter 6, verses 26 and 27. He's telling us how we should react to our brothers and sisters in Christ in verses 30 through 40. He tells us how we should react to criticism in verses 42 through 45. He's telling us how we should live out our faith in verses 46 through 49. Jesus expects a belief that behaves. Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? True followers have a different attitude and have different actions than those that are just playing around the fringes with God. If you want to know if a person has made Jesus Lord of their lives, what's their foundation? What are they building their life on? Are they building their life on hopes and dreams, 
Are they building their life on the sure foundation of the Word of God? Are they building their life that is bearing fruit? It's interesting that in this world that, that people always have an opinion, but when they look at us, is our opinion based on a conviction, based on the Word of God, or just what we feel and think at the moment? You know, Jesus talks about how we speak. Paul talks about how we speak. James chapter 3 talks about how we speak. So in some ways, the evidence of lordship, the tongue is the litmus test of our heart. What is inside of us comes out. The tongue is the litmus test of my soul. What's stirring inside of me? Jesus is not asking here to see church membership. Although I think faithfulness to church is a sign of lordship. I don't know how Jesus is Lord and somebody's not faithful to church because Jesus died for the church. He's coming back for the church. The church is his bride. He, he's coming for the church. And some people are part of the invisible church and it's so invisible you never see them. But I think faithfulness to the church is a sign of a commitment to lordship. He's not asking about where we serve. He's not asking, uh, speaking about our giving. What he's asking about is, does your heart reveal the right things about where you're serving and where you're giving? That it's not soulish. It's not emotional. You just do it for a while and then you quit. You serve for a while and then you quit. Can, can I just be honest? We are generation after generation removing ourselves from the idea of lordship and faithfulness. And where people used to serve a church until they physically couldn't do it anymore. Now we serve for a year and take off three years. Now we serve until our kids graduate from high school and then we buy an RV and we take off and do what we want to do every weekend because we raise our kids, we got them out, we're going to live our lives now. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of adults just revert to being adolescents. And they just want to live for themselves. That's not lordship. I'm not saying you can't fun, have fun. I'm not saying you can't have an RV. But you can't do whatever you want to do every time you want to do it and say, Jesus is my Lord, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to get a well done. Don't count on it. Don't count on it. Jesus was saying to people, get off the fence and decide. Either dead religion is right or I am right. You know, why did Terry and I go to church? When our girls were young, they, you know, why do we have to go to church on Sunday night? Why, why do we have to go to church on Wednesday night? You know, they hit that stage like all kids do. Why do we have to go to church? And I had to sit down and say, look, if I was a plumber, we would be going. Because I'm committed to the church that Jesus died for. I'm not just committed to Sunday morning and then see you later. I'm committed to the church for which Jesus died. I'm committed to the fellowship with other believers. I'm committed to the accountability. Why are Terry and I committed to the church? Because we love the church. Not the idea of church. We, we love the church. With all its imperfection. It's still what Jesus died for. Why do we serve? Because we love serving God. 
Why do we give? And we give a lot more than a tithe. And we give to every love offering in this church. And we give beyond this church. And we give to other ministries beyond this church. But our tithe and our meet the need and everything, I mean, our giving is a substantial percentage of our income. Why? Because I'm trying to buy my way into heaven? No. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And he'll take it from a grouch, but he loves a cheerful giver. So if... If he is Lord, then guess what? He's Lord of this too. He's Lord of this. If he's Lord, he's Lord of how I spend my money. And he's Lord of how I give my money. Jesus said, follow me, come to me, abide in me. Paul said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. We are to pray, not my will be done, but your will be done. This is all about being all in and sold out. Secondly, our decisions determine our destiny. In verses 47 through 49, there's this contrast between two people. One listens and they build their house the right way. The other one doesn't listen. And the truth of the matter is we have a lot more people that listen than act on what they listen to. It's not enough to just hear. We need to heed what God says. If you look at these verses, you see in some ways how you evaluate if a person is hearing by what they're doing and by what they're building with their lives. So the one who says yes to God, there's several things. First of all, the person who says yes to God is standing on the Word of God. They're not standing on the latest fad They're not standing on the public opinion. The foundation of their life is solid. You want to know what a solid foundation is? Just read Psalm 119. Read Psalm 1. Read Psalm 51. Read the Beatitudes. Are our lives being built on something that is eternal, like the Word of God, or something that is ever-changing. The person who builds on solid ground doesn't waver. There is no peace for the undecided. Because you might think God said something, but if you don't know the Word of God, you can't stand on what you don't know. Secondly, when trials come, when these winds come and these torrents come, when trials come, they trust God. The flood symbolizes a crisis. When a crisis comes, everybody's going to have crisis in their lives. When a crisis comes, no matter what it is, the lukewarm or the carnal Christian will fail to stand on the word and they will panic. And all of a sudden, everything will start shaking and start coming undone. When crisis floods into our lives, and beats against our faith, are we trusting God? Do we stand on what God says? Or do we look around for other answers and other solutions? Thirdly, when temptations come, they know where to turn. You know, Satan attacks. Satan tempts. And it's like a torrent. Satan knows where your weakness is. He knows where you're vulnerable. For some people, it's alcohol. For other people, it's 
pornography. For other people, it's a lack of self-control in spending. Satan knows your weakness, and he goes after it. And his ultimate goal is what his goal was, you know, in the book of Job. Curse God and die. Just get it over with. You don't have to do what God says. You see, both the obedient and the disobedient person have built a house, but one is going to survive trials and temptations. The other one is not. I've dealt with people all my ministry who live in sin, who justify hatred, who justify unforgiveness, who justify jealousy, and they say things like this. Well, I have a peace about it. You say, that's against the word of God. Well, I, I just know I've prayed about it and I have a peace about it. Let me just tell you this. Any peace you might have birthed in a wrong decision will not last. And your house will crumble. Now, the one who says yes, but I'm not going all in. Say, well, I still want to straddle the fence. I'm going to call you Lord, but I'm not going to do what you say. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, first of all, their lives are on shaky ground. The one who has heard and not acted accordingly. These are people looking for loopholes. They're looking for an exemption clause. They're looking for God to be a quick fix. And they usually only look to him when they're in a storm. When it's calm seas and everything's good and everything's wonderful, they're just kind of like, God, if I need you, I'll call you. One author said this, this person represents people who attend church, listen to the sermons, hear what the Bible says, even say they believe it all, and then do nothing about it. They have Christian beliefs, but not Christian behavior. Their lives are on shaky ground. Secondly, when the storms come, they have nowhere to stand. I mean, the house is down. All they put their faith in, their degrees, their money, their retirement, their houses, their lands, their barns, all that they put their money in, their cars, their boats are washed away. There's no stability. James chapter 1 and verse 22 says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not hearers only. Thirdly, when temptations and options come, they make the wrong decision. When temptations and options come, they make the wrong decisions. And, and let me just kind of wrap this up right here with this. Every day, they're having to make a decision. I don't know, should I pray today? I don't Should I study my Bible today? Every day, they're trying to decide if they're going to do what God says. I mean, every day is a conflict. Every day is an undecided. Yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do it today. Every Sunday, should I go to church today? Or maybe there's something better that I could do. I don't know. What do you think? It's raining. Maybe we shouldn't go to church because we only have one umbrella and there are four of us. Now, we would never say that about kids going to school or us going to work, but we do it with the Lord and at church. Can I tell you something? If the weather, rain, or it's a little overcast, or it's cold, or whatever, if that keeps you from coming to church 
and it's just because you don't want to go, Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Hey, can I tell you something? There are Sundays when I don't feel like preaching. There are Sundays when I don't feel like going. I, I've gone through cancer treatments twice. There are times when I just would like to lay in bed and feel sorry for myself. But I made a decision when I was a teenager that Jesus was Lord. So even when I don't feel like it, I get up and do it. And I don't let my feelings run my life. I let my faith run my life. By the way, every wrong decision makes the next bad decision easier. Every time I make a wrong decision, it makes the next bad decision easier. So indecision is a decision. Compromise is a decision. Living with confused values is a decision. At the end of the day, refusing to decide for Christ is deciding against him. And every one of us, before we breathe our last breath, our lives are going to show, every one of us, our lives are going to show when they gather for our funerals and when they put us in the ground, our testimony to our friends, to our neighbors, to our family, to our acquaintances, to our work associates is either going to be, now that person built their life on a firm foundation or that person was on a shaky foundation, that person you could trust, that person you could never depend on. We are writing our testimony by how we're building this house called the temple of the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you that we be a people who make you Lord without hesitation or reservation. This is not about making you Lord for a while and then pulling us off the table. This is about once for all, dead to self, daily dying, taking up our cross, calling you Lord, making you Lord, living with you as Lord every day of our lives. And once we make that decision, all other decisions have been taken care of. Because it's as simple as, Lord, I'm yours. What do you want me to do? May it be so in our lives, in Jesus' name. Well, thank you, Pastor. 